All right, well, we want to welcome you tonight, and uh, of course, this is a celebration of Bee's life. Uh, we know where she's at. We haven't lost her, haven't misplaced her. Our hearts are a little empty because she's not here. We're not going to be able to pick up the phone, go visit her, anything like that, but it's so good to know that she's in heaven with her Lord and Savior, who she loves so much. And we thank you for coming out and being a part of this service, uh, this celebration of her life. We're going to open with a word of prayer, and then uh, we have a schedule to follow, and things will just happen, and you'll see it happen, and uh, before long, it'll be over. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time together tonight. Thank you for each and every one that's taken time to come out and be here. We thank you for Miss B's life and the influence that it's had, the lives that she's touched through the years. And Lord, we pray tonight that this wouldn't be so much about her, but more about her Savior the one that made her who she is. And so, Lord, we'd ask that you'd be glorified and honored through all that is said and done, the singing and the uh, preaching, the words that are said, Lord, might they bring glory to you. We love you, and we thank you for this time together. We ask it all in your wonderful and most holy name. Amen.
would grab a hymnal in front of you there, in the seat in front of you. If you would stand, we'll sing hymn number 63, What a Day That Will Be. Hymn number 63, stand as we sing. Bernice Marie Cooper of Shawnee, Kansas, better known as Grandma B to many who loved her, was born January 28, 1930, and went peacefully to her heavenly home on January 18, 2024. She is survived by her daughter, Debbie Marie Clem, and her husband, Charlie Clem, three grandchildren and their spouses, and nine great-grandchildren, Tiffany Gale Vesey and her husband, Aaron, their children, uh, Andy Clem and Andrea and their children, Josh Clem, his wife Sky, and their kids. She has many grandchildren she adopted over the years. Her loving nature and prayers will be missed by many. Bee's life was forever changed by a public school teacher who took her to church service each week where she heard about the Heavenly Father who loved her as she was and sent his son to die for her. As a severely abused child, she knew she wanted to be part of God's family. She was saved at the age of eight. Getting saved didn't change the abuse, but she had Christ in her heart, which gave her hope. She met Richard, the love of her life, at 15. 
The story goes that she was visiting her sister in the hospital when she first saw him. She almost pushed her sister down the stairs in a wheelchair, trying to get down the steps to catch him before he left. She had her friend ask for a ride home, pushing her friend to set by Richard because she was so shy. I can't imagine B being shy. Come on. Who you fooling? They began dating, and at 16, she thought they had dated long enough and asked if he was going to marry her. Or if she had better start looking around for someone else to get ready to marry. They married later that year, October 9th, 1946. They were married over 50 years until he went to heaven in 1997. 1951, at the age of 21, they were in a terrible car wreck. It's a miracle that she survived. She had been thrown through the metal portion that used to divide uh, older car windshields, splitting her head and tongue and many other injuries. She was in a coma for a long time. And they said the uh, day after that she kept repeating Psalms 23 over and over and over. She didn't even remember knowing it. She felt God tell her that he wasn't finished with her yet. And the doctor said that she would never walk or talk again, but God had other plans. She held many jobs, including working at a hospital at the age of 12 and experienced uh, disturbing things. As an adult, she was a welder. She worked at a fancy place called the Palace downtown and talked to the Emory Bird restaurant. Uh, there's a story of Richard working with some construction workers whistling at a woman walking by. He turned around and grabbed the guy and I said, I better not catch you doing that again. That's my wife. <clears throat> she worked in many positions at Greenwood Elementary School Kitchen for about 17 years and ran the cooking menus, budget, and full program with Merlene um, Womack for many years. She has been one of, uh, and Mrs. Womack has been one of her closest lifelong friends. In the 80s, she retired to spend time with her grandchildren who meant the world to her. There are many memories of camping and boating, and music was also a big part of the times the grandkids loved. The love of water and music had been passed down to the great-grandkids that uh, he'd never met. They loved going to Colorado for camping and snowmobile riding with their friends, the Golbus. She always said that she felt close to God in the mountains. Say amen to that. Life centered around her church. She loved for almost 56 years because of Richard's sweet, godly mom asking Grant Stokes to visit her son in Kansas. He was the first one that he led to the Lord in 1968. He was saved and their family attended the first service at Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple, which was held in the Stokes basement with mostly the pastor's family and Richard and B's friends and relatives that they had invited. Richard made it clear that he would not be there on Wednesday night. I remember him telling me this story. He said uh, that he had made it clear he wouldn't be there on Wednesday night because he had to mow to make extra income. He also plowed gardens. And... Um, B began to pray, and the first Wednesday night, Richard lost his wallet. He said, I don't know, he was plowing. He said, I don't know where in that field that it got plowed, but he goes, I learned my lesson. And so uh, he said that 
from now on, I'm going to faithfully be at church and I'm going to tithe because that's what God wants. Dee's daughter says that my mom never missed a night praying with her as a child and she only remembers four times of her mom not finishing her prayer list. She was in the hospital and not conscious those days. Any other time, she wouldn't let the nurses give her pain meds until she finished her long prayer list. There came a time in the 80s that she needed a copy of her birth certificate, and when it finally came, she opened it, and there was no name, only baby girl Caldwell. She cried for days, asking how could parents not love their baby enough to give her a name. It really broke her heart, but that little girl with no name had an impact on many lives, and her new name was written down in heaven by a father who loved her and used that little no-name girl to affect many lives. She left a legacy of faithfulness. And once again, we'll sing hymn number 261, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.
Abundant 
So um, 
Someone mentioned something about having an open mic. If we did that, we might be here for a very long time. So, but Debbie went ahead and penned a few things that she'd like to say. I know that they've got a booklet on the back table. If you've got some fond memories and you would like to record those for the family, they would love to have them. But uh, Debbie wanted me to share this. says, I've been asked a lot this week, what did your mom do? Did she hold any positions? How much education did she have? Tell me about her. How do you sum up almost a century of life? I had to think hard on that. She had very little education, only went to the eighth grade. She had various secular jobs. She was a mom, a grandma, a great-grandma, and a person who loved people. She never met a stranger. For being an only child, we had a big family of friends. She loved food and loved cooking for people. Holidays, we had a house full of friends eating and enjoying good music. But her career, my mom had a lifelong career of prayer. She never missed a night of praying with me as a child. I remember playing mommy with my dolls and lining them up to pray with each one as a little girl. She retired from work when my kids were born to spend time with them. She would often make her breakfast, set uh, to pray, and pray long enough that she had to reheat her, bre uh, reheat her breakfast. She always had her prayer list handy. If she knew someone had a need at a specific time, like surgery or job interview, she would pray at that specific time. She scared me one afternoon when I went into the kitchen and opened our tiny pantry, and she was in there praying. Her prayers would go on and on like conversation with her best friend, telling God the longest stories. She prayed for all of her family and friends. She approached as many visitors to tell them she would pray for them to find where God wants them. Each night, she would stand at the door as Tiff and her family left and pray for safety and wait for their call from Micah. Many times she forgot to hang up and Tiffany would hear her thanking God for getting them home safe, then continue praying. My favorite family story is Thanksgiving when we were going around the room saying what we were thankful for. On my mom's turn, she started going down the list of what she was thankful for and she kept going. I can see it. I can, see, I can so see it. We kept looking at each other. We were all hungry and wondered when would she be done. At some point, she had bowed her head and finally said, in Jesus' name, amen. We all laughed so hard that day. Such a great memory of her never ceasing prayer life. There would be times as pastor, I would be at the hospital making a visit, and it would be a very grave situation. And as I would walk out of the hospital, I would call B. Cooper, because I knew she was a prayer warrior. And I'd say, Miss B, this is happening, this is happening, this person's here, and um, I need you to pray for me. Pray for this situation. And she goes, you got it, preacher. I'll be praying. I don't know how many times B came to me over the years and she would say, what about this missionary that we had 10 years ago that went to, and she would name some place, and, and I'm like, 
uh, what do you mean? She goes, well, he had this specific request, and I've been praying for it for 10 years, and I just wondered, did it ever get answered? I mean, she's... He called me Saturday night, January 13th, about 9, 9.30 at night. He said, Preacher, I just want you to know, I don't think I'll make it through tonight. Now she did. She went ahead and lived several more days. She says, I want you to know that I love you very much. I said, well, thank you, Miss B. I love you too. She goes, it's really been a blessing to have you to be our pastor all these years, and I just want you to know that um, Richard loved you, and I love you, and I want you to know that I realize that my time here is short. She goes, but I have no fear. It's just this great peace to know that I get to go to heaven. Gonna miss, gonna miss that. Gonna miss that. So Richard and I were pretty good friends. And uh, my dad was a welder and Richard was a welder. And my dad could build about anything and Richard could build about anything. And so uh, when I became pastor, we were over in the Little Bay Church uh, over by Trail Ridge Middle School. And it would seem like whatever project I could come up with, I could sit down with Richard and I could kind of explain now, I think we need to do that. Like one thing was we needed a rack to hold all of our tables. And I said, I think we just need a rack where we can take all these tables and stack them in here. And we've got some wheels, and I had some wheels at home, and I brought them in. And then, like, two days later, here's the rack that I mentioned to him. He could just build anything. And um, there's a sign out in front of that building, and um, we got ready to replace that sign one time, and uh, Richard and I began to work on it together, and uh, we'd worked on it for about a week. We would work, uh, you know, six, seven hours a day, and um, Mrs. Cooper came to me, Miss B came to me, about six days in, and she said, Preacher, Richard needs to eat. And I'm thinking, Richard needs to eat, I need to eat. I was kind of raised with that mentality that men don't gripe about, I mean, there's a job to do. We're men, we just do it, right? She goes, Richard needs to eat lunch, and you need to make sure he eats it. I'm like, he wasn't eating because of me, and I wasn't eating because of him. And so then it turned into a really cool thing, because then he started taking me around Kansas City, Kansas, and took me over to in the Merriam area where there's the, like the biggest tenderloin ever made by man, you know? And we began to eat at all kinds of places. We just had a great time after she gave us permission to eat lunch. It was just so amazing. I'm going to miss her. I know you will too. We're going to have a song from a friend of mine, Brother Terry, called Precious Memories. I'm going to come back and I promise to preach a short message. <clears throat> Hope I haven't got to see everyone yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've said hi to a bunch of people I hadn't seen in a long time. Good to see you all. Good to be back. I have not sung since I left here or in front of anybody, and uh, I kind of stepped away because I've lost my voice somewhat. And uh, I remember the night before B passed, we went and seen her, and uh, she was asleep, and we were trying to get her to wake up and because she knew we were coming. She was been on morphine and she was kind of out of it and yeah, he kept talking to her and I did as well and uh and he said you want to hear Terry sing <laughs> and I remember that from the first time I was here she loved me she loved to hear me sing and she'd always praise me whether it was good or bad I'm sure a lot of it was bad really to be quite honest but she was just loved to hear Terry sing and as I got to singing, my voice was terrible. I had been losing it uh, from a cold or something, and uh, it was trying to come back, but it was it got it down in the chest, I guess, and it sounded awful. Candy let me hear it back after we left because she recorded it, and <laughs> it was rough, but she loved it. She come awake. She opened her eyes. She wanted to hear more. By the time we left, I had done sung six songs, and I would wore myself out, but... I hope this is a blessing to you. I love this old song called Precious Man. Listen to the words. Precious memories Unseen angels Sit from somewhere to my soul how they linger ever near me and the sacred past unfold precious memories how they linger how they ever flood my soul stillness of the midnight precious sacred scenes unfold in the stillness of the midnight echoes from the past I hear oh I'm singing, gladness bringing from that lovely land somewhere. Precious memories, how they linger, how they ever flood my soul. Stillness of the midnight, precious sacred scenes unfold. As I travel on life's pathway, know not what the years may hold. As 
as I ponder, hope grows fonder. Precious memories flood my soul. Precious memories, how they linger, how they ever flood my soul. Sing with me. In the stillness of the midnight, precious sacred seeds unfold. That sounds so good. Let's do the chords one more time. You guys sing a lot better than I do. Precious memories, how they So in the uh, handout that they gave you tonight, with B's picture on the front, uh, you'll find right inside on the first page there, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I was visiting with family and was asking about favorite verses, and of course she likes Psalms 23, of course she quoted that through the recovery from the accident, but she really loved Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so tonight I want to challenge us from there, and I'm going to begin reading verse number 1 of chapter 3. It says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Now, I've got Miss B's Bible here. They've often said a Bible that's worn out leads to a life that's not worn out. And uh, she's got a lot of great stuff marked in here. You could tell that it was more than just decoration. It was a book that was used. And the Bible tells us it'll bring length of days and long life and peace. Verse 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and morrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. I want to draw our attention back to verse number 5 tonight, and we're going to think upon just this one thought. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. 
Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the time together this evening. We pray to God that you would bless the reading and the preaching of your word, that you would use it in our lives and our hearts to challenge us for a closer walk with you. And maybe there'd be one here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. And what a great testimony it would be to B's life that someone would even get saved tonight. That they too might know the joys of having their sins forgiven and heaven as their eternal home. Have your will and your way in our lives and our hearts, and we'll give you the honor and glory for it. We ask it in your blessed name. Amen. And so, as I thought about this trust in the Lord with all thine heart, I asked myself some questions, and, and it was, so what does trust in the Lord look like? Well, so the first answer I came to that with was what it doesn't look like, okay? We're talking about trusting in the Lord, what it doesn't look like is it's not trusting in religion. Religion won't get you to heaven. You can be a member of all the churches in town, it's not going to get you to heaven. You can be baptized so many times that the water and the, the crawdads in the water knows your name, but it's not going to get you to heaven. The only thing that's going to get you to heaven is having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So trusting in religion will not get you there. Trusting in the Lord is not your own good works. Some people believe, well, if I'm a good person, if I live a good life, if I do good things, then those things will surely get me to heaven. Or I've heard people say, well, they'll get me brownie points, and those brownie points will get me to heaven. But the truth of the matter is, no, it will not. It just means that you're a great guy, a good person. But those good works will not get you to heaven. No amount of stuff is going to get you to heaven. You say, well, if I... If I save my money and I have a lot of stuff and God can't do without me because I've got all this stuff and this stuff is important. I'll just let you know right now, this stuff is just stuff and it won't get you to heaven. So where does trusting in the Lord begin? Well, it begins with salvation. It's not enough to say that you know who God is. Well, I've been to church, I know who God is. That'll surely get me to heaven. No, it won't. The devils know who God is. They already respect that. They know that. So that's not going to get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, well, you know, my mom and dad, uh, they, they were saved. They were churchgoers. I hear a phrase like that a lot. They were churchgoers. And, you know, they gave a lot of money to church. And, and so because of that, surely I'm going to get to go. No, no. We each one must have our own personal relationship with Jesus. We must each one have that personal relationship to know that we're on our way to heaven. You must know him personally. You must have asked him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart and to be your Lord and Savior. I love the fact that B started going to church at a young age and was saved at eight years old. I'm so thankful that uh, Richard's mom cared enough to in, have a preacher go by and talk to him and, and that he got saved also. What a, what a great thing it is to know that as we stand here, as a pastor, you know, I get to do a couple of really great things. The, the one thing I really love to do is to see babies after they're born. I, I, I make a great politician. I love to hold babies. I think they're the greatest thing going 
I think that, you know, when you're holding a baby, you're holding a miracle of God in your hands. They're just wonderful. I love babies. It's the best part of, my, of what I get to do. The worst part is this. So I, um, I go quite often, and my wife and I, we go quite often to McDonald's over here. Uh, matter of fact, they, they jokingly say I'm the chaplain of McDonald's. Every time I walk in in this, I have people go, oh, uh, who's, who's died? Who are you going to bury today? That is not fun. Some of you deal with maybe three or four deaths in a lifetime, and you think, oh, how tragic, how difficult. I don't know how many I deal with in, in a month, let alone a year, let alone my lifetime. But when I stand... Here, today, I stand here with joy in my heart because I know where she's at. It was evident to everybody. I remember when Richard was sick and we'd go over to Overland Park Regional and, and the family kind of took over the, the waiting area right there. And I'm telling you, Miss B did her stuff. And I'd come to visit Richard and she goes, oh, wait a minute, you've got to meet these people over here. And I think I did three funerals, maybe four, off of the people that she introduced me to in the waiting area there at the hospital. That was just her deal. She was cultivating. She was sharing Christ. And, and she would meet people that hadn't been in church for a long time. And uh, they would then have me come pray with their loved one. And I would develop these friendships and relationships. And I'd end up doing funerals a lot of times as a result of that. You see... The great thing is that B knew Christ on a personal level and she knew what he had done for her. She knew that she had grown up in this abusive relationship where she had a father that abused her. And you know, most people would have said, well, if that's a picture of a father and God is a father, then I don't want one. But she was searching for that father that would love and care for her. And when she met Jesus Christ, she goes, I found him. This is him. He loves me. He cares for me. Hallelujah. And she got saved, and it just changed her life. Changed her life. She had a great burden to tell others about Jesus. Barbara Downs posted a picture where she went and visited uh, Miss B, and she took a picture, and there was her Bible and a stack of tracts from Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple. And she wasn't afraid to give them out. Every nurse that came in, everyone that left. So I talked to B a couple of days before she passed away, and she was telling me, she goes, Preacher, I've been able to give out some tracts to some people and talk to them about the Lord, but there's just a lot of these nurses don't have time to talk about the Lord. I said, well, Miss B, all you can do is be a light. All you can do is just is, is to let Jesus show through you. She was interested, not in the fact that she was going to heaven so much, but that she might grab one last person to go with her. One last person. As I was preparing for this tonight, it's like I could hear her say, you better tell them about Jesus. Because when you get to heaven, you're going to be in trouble if you don't. 
I've been crosswise with B a few times. I, didn't want, I don't want to be there when I get to heaven, okay? So I want you to know heaven is real. Jesus loves you. You say, oh, you don't know my past. doesn't matter your past. The fact is that Jesus loves you. And Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and heaven can be your home. You say, well, I'm, I'm a Methodist, or I'm a Catholic, or I'm this, or I'm that. It doesn't matter. Remember, religion won't help you. What matters is, have you asked Jesus to be your Savior? And if you haven't, I would encourage you to do that. The benefits are out of this world. Not having to face fear of dying, but to have peace to know it's a transition from this life to an eternal life. And the choice is made while we're here in this life. So I pray that you would make that choice today. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for B. Cooper. I thank you for the influence in my life, and I thank you for the influence that she had in all these that are represented here tonight. And Lord, for whatever reason that we've known her, I know that her number one would desire would be that we would all be in heaven with her one day. There be some here that, that don't know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that they would seek out family members or myself and let us take the Bible and show them from God's word how they too can know that heaven be their eternal home. I pray that as we would carry on our lives and we carry a piece of B's influence in our heart, might it be that we would always have love for others and might it be that we would be quick to pray for one another and for other people and their needs? And then might we tell others about Jesus? Thank you for your goodness and your love. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Now we're going to have a meal. If you knew B. Cooper, she loved food. And she loved a good potluck. Okay. Uh, potluck's a Baptist term for everybody just brings whatever, puts it on a table, and you just go through and hopefully you get something. So we're going to dismiss the family right now. So they can go through, and uh, so family, go. Hurry, quickly. Miss Metzinger's going to uh, play a little something. We're going to pray for the food. After they go out, we're going to pray, and then I'll dismiss you. They want you to stay. They want you to enjoy some fellowship with them. And uh, like I said, there's a book out there if you want to put a favorite memory of B that you had in that book. That would be awesome. Um, but let's just remember to know, know for sure we know Christ as our Savior. And then let's live for him every day. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for your many blessings to us. Thank you for this service as we remember uh, B. Cooper's life, and we remember her love for you. I pray that each and every one of us who know Christ as our Lord and Savior would be quick to pray for the needs and the concerns of others. And Lord, that we would be quick to share the love of Jesus with those around us. Help us to love your word and to serve you with our lives. And then, Lord, 
There'd be some that don't know you tonight. Lord, I pray before they leave that they would deal with whether or not they're going to accept Jesus as their Savior. Bless the food, bless the fellowship. Might you be honored and glorified through it all. We ask it in your blessed name. Amen.